This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mistress Carrie, weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. I think it's really smart what they did. Who? Tool. They waited all these years and kept all of their records off iTunes and streaming platforms and then released them all at yeah. once. And then they went and number then one. They tr- and then they went number one. Yeah. And all their old records are going platinum and they're all over the charts and their new single drops. And it's ten and a half minutes long. Yeah, but who cares? But it's awesome. Yeah, but listen, people need, you know, we used to listen to ten and a half minute long songs. I still do. I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Meshuggah's Eye. It's 19 minutes, I think. <laughs> 21 minute song. It's a masterpiece. Uh, in case you can't tell, we're hanging out with Tommy from Bad Wolves hey, inside hi. the Palladium while they're doing sound checks and stuff outside. It's loud out there. Yeah, that's why we're in here. Yeah, I think somebody's going to get a ticket or something. These these outdoor shows at the Palladium are, are a new sound, thing. Sound ordinance? That yeah. Really? I can't believe they're going to let you guys all play that late tonight outside. Uh, we're going on at like 6.50. Yeah, you're going on early, but like yeah. Papa Roach is going on later and it's like, yeah, like they're gonna keep everybody in Worcester awake. 9:45. Yeah. yeah. W- listen, when the roach comes to town, it gets loud. Oh, we know. Yeah. We they're, know. They're like super loud. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Like they're like one of the loudest bands. Like we, we you know, I watch them every night. And I'm yeah. like, jeez. I'm like, oh yeah. I get fired up. My old ears. <laughs> Been coming to concerts since I was like 14, 13, in the 90s. Okay, you, you got to be careful when you start talking about the olden days in the 90s. Are they the olden days, though? They are for you. They're the golden days. It's one of those things where if you were going to shows back then, you got to see, like, I was talking to Jonathan Davis because the Corn Allison Chain show was last night. Yeah. And I was talking to Jonathan Davis about that Woodstock 99 show. Which oh, it, I saw them before that. Me too, I but that them. show was insane. Yeah, well, that was like, all of, me, Woodstock 99 was just like a thing. You know, everyone watched it. MTV played music. Yeah, that's yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about music. the good old days when yeah. MTV played music. Yeah, yeah, but now they don't play music. I don't yeah. know, because well, I don't know why they don't play music. But Reality not, TV shows, I yeah, guess. Yeah, they have like money. teen moms and... Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's like a new one, Bisexual Island. I don't know what it's I, called. I don't but know. It's just like everybody having sex. I'm like, sponsored okay. by Trojan. Yeah, I, you know? okay. Yeah, love wins. Well, in all of the time that you've come through, you were here last summer with Five Finger Death Punch. Yes. And with all of the common friends that we both have, I can't believe that this is the first time I'm meeting you. I know. I'm actually kind of sad that I'm we didn't meet that. previously. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, I grew up in New York, so this is like next door for us. Yeah, I've been now, coming to this venue for a long have time. Have you really? Yeah. The New England Metal Hardcore Festivals yes. I think have been going on. I've seen tons of bands here from like, I think, Killswitch and Unearth and As I Lay Dying and 
Let's see, Shadows Fall, I've seen Ministry, Meshuggah, my old band Divine Heresy was supposed to play in 2007, but I beat up my guitar player on stage and we broke up the night before. <laughs> so I, as I said, I've been around for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of history. You, you've been in a few bands and one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that when the Snot guys got back together, they asked oh, yeah. you to come in and stand in for Lynn Strait, which I'm a super, I'm a super fan. So I knew Lynn because when I was a kid, I used to cut school and bring the guys in the band weed when they were in New York City because I was a teenage drug dealer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sober now, but you could see how that, not a good beginning. Yeah, no. Um, But yeah, so like, so I had known the guys in the band since I was, I think, 16 or 15 years old. And I was like a huge Snot fan and, and, you know, Years later, when they did the reunion, um, Mikey and Sonny called me, and they're like, hey, dude, like, do you want to, like, try out? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Like, you can't tell anybody we're doing this. I'm like, I don't tell anybody. <laughs> you think I want to create competition? So, yeah, and then I got to do that, and those guys, like, we're still really good friends. We might actually do a show next year. Really? We're, yeah, we were talking about doing a show in Arizona together. That uh, that famous show where Lynn got arrested for getting yeah. a blowjob up against the giant toilet on Is stage that what it happened was? here. Yeah, he was naked too, right? Yeah. yeah. It was at the what is now the Xfinity Center. Yeah, do you yeah. know what happened when the police were, the police couldn't find him? Yeah. Then they got him, and they he had no ID or a, no pass on him. So they were like, what band are you in? And he told the cops that he was Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. (laughs) True story. (laughs) I was on the air like 25 minutes away from from that Ozfest. I had to go to the studio and I was on the air and the phone lines are ringing off the hook. And then a bunch of the bands took the buses up to the studio and made a party in the studio and everybody was laughing about how Lynn got a blowjob on stage leaning up against a toilet in the middle of the show. A Limp Bizkit's concert, yeah. Yeah, they still have that toilet in storage, you know that? They do? Yeah, I saw Wes invited uh, us and the Bowels guys to go see Limp Bizkit in Orange County a couple months ago at the at like the OC um, Inc. Festival, Inc. Muse Inc. Yeah. Uh, Travis Barker's thing. Yo, Limp Bizkit, hardest concert I've seen in a decade. The, just recently? Oh, yeah, like the crowd. It was like watching, it was like watching Pantera in 96 with suicidal tendencies you know what i mean opening up and Those slayer guys can play like the limp biscuit got huge because yeah, yeah. it was a blast to go and see them. yeah people it became cool to hate limp biscuit but now it's not i think i think they're going to come back around well isn't fred durst directing this new travolta movie too i don't know about that yeah that's he, interesting. he directed a movie i can't remember what it's called They'll put it up on the screen because I'm an idiot right now because I'm yeah. tired because Jonathan Davis kept me up late last night. That sounds but, weird. But you know, Durst if it was 10 wrote... years ago, I'd be like, hmm. Yeah, no. no <laughs> Just please, kidding. Come on now. Um, Jonathan's like, hashtag me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, Fred Durst wrote a movie about a crazy stalker. Oh, okay. And John Travolta plays the stalker. And I'm pretty sure wow, Fred Durst cool. is directing the movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I didn't know about that. Do you have directing or acting aspirations? Uh, no, but I, I, I think I'm getting killed. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be a henchman, and I'm gonna, allegedly, I'm gonna be killed by The Rock in a movie that films in Atlanta in October on our time off. So I'm, I said yes, but I don't know how. 
you know. Okay, we need to have a serious conversation. Yes. Everybody that listens to my show knows that I have a problem when it comes to The Rock. Like, what? You want to fight him? No. Oh. You want? He's, you he, like him? Like I, you're a I, fan? I like him, and I'm respectful because okay. he's a, he's taken and all oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. But he's filmed a lot of movies here. Yeah. I just want to know what he smells like. I have a smell oh. thing. Like when you walked in yeah, here, yeah. I told you you smelled really good. Oh yeah, because I took a shower. Yeah. Well, I appreciate. I'm wearing John Barbados cologne as well. Are you really? Yeah. Well, you smell good. Yeah. But I need to know what the rock smells like. Well, I don't know but that. But when you find out, I need you to call me. I don't this know. Is serious. Okay, right now. I'll call you. Because we're like best friends now. Now, I but I don't know how me. close I have to get. Like, what if he just like kicks me and then I oh, die? Well, I mean, you're gonna be in the same air space. Yeah. So I just. Just, fine. I'll try. Is that weird? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, there. I've had weirder requests. I've had I'm much sure stranger requests. I'm so sure yeah, okay. I will try to find out what the rock smells like. And I will try to me. find out what the rock. I'll see if I can smell what the rock is cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. He's gonna snap my neck that, for Tom. real. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think he can sit. Well, look. You guys are all like, yeah. going to work out together. Maybe you guys will like go bench press each other and go in the Iron Paradise or whatever. Yeah, that would be awesome. We have a gym here. Like that, like a gym in the Palladium or you tow one with no, the No, we tow a full body Olympic gym set with Do about really? four or 500 pounds of weight. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, if you look at my Instagram, you can see like me. I'm training Kyle right now. Kyle's been out of the gym for like three years. And so I'm training him. And then... I trained with the crew guys last year in the Five Finger Tour. I trained with, I trained the security guys, and then I trained with the Nothing More guys. So I just bring out all the weights and we put it up in the morning and then boop, boop, boop. See, now 10 years ago, yeah, there wouldn't have been a gym. Yeah. There just would have been crazy parties. Yeah, there's still crazy parties. I just, there's just no alcohol involved. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> And now what I'm also noticing, and I've been talking to a lot of the singers about it, like Johnny from Nothing More, mm -hmm. is the the taking care of your voice. Yeah. So what, because Bad Wolves, there's a lot of really heavy screaming, but there's also a lot of melodic parts to your songs as well. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing to take care of your voice? Are you doing vocal warm-ups? Are you doing warm-downs? What are you doing? Uh, I do, Melissa Cross has a DVD thing. Uh, she has a DVD series called The Zen of Screaming 1 and 2. And uh, uh, it's it's got like, I mean, I was on it from one of my older bands. And um, I think there's like Corey Taylor and Jesse Leach and... I think Howard Jones is on it, and Brian Fair from Shadows Fall, and Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. But she's also gone on to teach like David Draymond and Jacoby, and I just do her warm ups before. So what can you can you do it? Like what what do you have to do? There's all different like yeah, there's just, like just, E's and Z's. So you go Z's, then you start with Z's because it opens your nasal cavity. Okay. And then you do E's, and then you do Ahs, and then there's the French doorbell, and it's E. And it it's uh it warms up your vocal cords and how your larynx modulates between three different sections. It's all really nerdy, cool stuff. Yeah, but I'm asking because yeah. even though I can't sing, oh, they have and I'm speaking. But but I get laryngitis can... a lot, especially when I go to shows. And then yeah. everybody that listens to my show, I go in the next day and I'm like, Ugh, I can't talk. Ugh. So I'm actually. Well, you got to project from the right place. It's from your diaphragm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway. I'll, uh, I'll get the DVDs. Yeah, get the DVDs. Yeah, Shout out to Melissa Cross. Yeah. Um, 
With all the projects that you've been in and all of the touring that you've done, are you surprised once you put Bad Wolves together how quickly it took off? I mean, uh, you've been singing for years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, look, there's definitely something to be said about um, the story of Zombie, right? And and um, that's a song that almost wasn't going to be on the first album. The only reason I agreed for it to be on the first album is because Dolores liked it. So we had done the album, and I wasn't sure about putting it on, and the label's like, no, it's really great. And Dan Waite, who works at our label, is a family friend of Dolores and Don, her ex-husband. And he was like, well, what if we send it to her? And she says, it's okay. Then can we put it on? And I was like, yes. And then she called and was like, I want to be on this. I want to sing on it. I love it. So then we were we knew that we had done a good job. Right. Um, and like, you know, and then obviously we set everything up and like she flew to London and she was scheduled to record with us. And as everyone knows the story, she passed away. So, you know, that was like the emotional roller coaster of and grieving process and kind of, you know, we like we were never really thinking about how the band had taken off as a result of us paying tribute and, and donating money to our family. Which was amazing, by the way. You yeah. know, when that song broke at radio and we were playing it, it, it was so nice to be able to talk about the fact that you guys were taking care of her kids by donating the proceeds well, yeah, of that I mean, song. That, and it's a really honorable thing because you didn't have to do that and you did, and it was very classy. Well, we I felt like I did have to do that because uh, then the conversation was, we can't put this out. And the only way that we'll put this out is if the do if the money's donated. So the label's like, okay. Yeah, but but and that's not like, something right. that I think any just anybody would have done. I think. No, I mean they can't, we all kind of came together. The idea about you know you, the other thing too is the owner of our label managed the Cranberries for ten years of their career. So it was not you know it was like kind of like understood we were like this is the right thing right so and that's a different story in itself you know but that's rock and roll you know what i mean like how many how many times have you know people shown up for each other in the music industry in in our genre whether it's like you know david bowie going to talk to trent reznor about getting sober or you know james hetfield going to help randy bly uh or you know just there's just it's just it's exponential and then there's all the things you don't see you know what I mean like all the relationships you don't hear about and don't know about it you know like Chris Cornell's relationship with Chester Bennington and, and um, you know my relationships with Zoltan Bathory and, and Jacoby and the, there's a laundry list of people who are like in you know in the in the music community and that's what we're really about you know so it, yeah is it honorable yeah but I mean that's what we're that's what this is, whole thing is about and I think we just the success of that song put a spotlight back on, on rock music, and that's cool to be a part of that. Uh, and it came with a lot of fear too. We were like, "Oh, are we like a one-hit wonder?" And then we we dropped, you know, "Hear Me Now" with Diamante, and that wound up going to number one. And then, you know, remember when just went number one at Billboard and then stayed there for a couple weeks. And it's you know that's a heavy song. You know, that's yeah. a song about my brother. You know, who's a drug addict who almost murdered me you know he tried to murder me during a home invasion when he broke into my apartment and um you know it's like these real life situations and these like real traumatic and tragic situations 
only make sense when we look at them and try to make something positive out of them. You know, when I was making that song, the decision was made that we were going to make a video that was going to be autobiographical. And I, I took my, I remember taking my mother out to dinner and, and I asked her if it was okay. And, you know, my mom's super tough. Like I just saw her last night. Um, she came out to Jersey, but she said this to me and this is kind of where I get what's good in me from. And she was like, if one family can learn from what our family has had to survive, then it makes everything that we've suffered through worth it. And that's literally how, that's what Bad Wolves is about. So we tell the truth. And, um, you know, I think that's what good art does. I think all the greatest singers and greatest songwriters told the truth because when we share our pain, we divide it. And when we share our joy, we multiply it, you know? So when, when date, I, I always tell people, it's cool to be happy. It's great to be happy, especially if you're someone who used to be sad or miserable or are getting on the other side of something because uh, people need to see that, you know, it gets better. The biggest problem with anxiety and depression and addiction is that everyone's struggling with these ideas and, and um, these feelings, but the delusion of depression and anxiety is that it, t it tells us that it's always gonna be like this and we should just end it now. And that's a lie, you know? So seeing people who get on the other side of that stuff, you know, I talk, I'm, an, I'm an attempted suicide survivor. I talk about it every day on stage and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Sometimes life just kicks our ass and we don't know, you know, sometimes we don't know how to, we don't know up from down. It's like people who drowned often, it's because they don't swim towards the surface. They get turned around and they swim further left, right or down and they run out of air you know, and um, and that's okay, you know, but for, for me, it took the community, it took music and my friends and my family and the community and like understanding that something was going on with me that was beyond the circumstances of my control and then getting help. And so that's what we talk about, you know, and I think a lot of people are not getting that message. I think a lot of, you know, people are, we have mass shootings in this country, like it's insane. And it's because people have become disconnected. We don't realize we're so in our phones and on social media, and even the way people can respond to each other to an avatar is like you can say any hateful thing you want to like to a picture on a screen, but there's a person on the other side yeah, of that. You wouldn't say it to them to their face. Well, because not not just as a lack of toughness, but out of empathy. It's natural for us that when we're in a confrontation with someone, if we visibly see that we're starting to hurt them, we stop. Right. You know what I mean? It's inherent in our nature. We don't, we're not made to hurt each other and destroy each other and break each other down. Human beings from an anthropological study need each other. And so, uh, that's what I, I want to be a part of that idea. Well, that's what I loved when you walked in the room. I, I went to shake your hand and you're like, no, I'm a hugger. And I was like, bring it in. Oh yeah. I yeah. love that. But we make the crowd hug each other too. Well, you're supposed to have three hugs a day to have a good mental health day. Like that's, Well, I got one already. Yeah. I'll hug you again before we go. All right, and then I'll knock two. two out. All right. Then I you got to hug a stranger. Uh, okay. All right, cool. See, and, see, sometimes I think guys just want to hug girls because they want to squeeze our boobs. You though. could hug a girl with bigger boobs yeah, than you yeah, and it'll fine. cancel itself out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A lot of the stuff you're talking about is something I've been asking a lot of the bands mm. because, you know, you've got 
this massive discussion that is at the forefront of rock and roll right now when it comes to depression, suicide, addiction, and all of the biggest rock bands out there right now seem to be circling the wagons and having this conversation. And then you're also noticing that rock and roll is having this upswing like it, it seems like in the last 18 months or so that rock and roll has i don't want to say we're cool again because we've always been f-ing cool as far as i'm concerned yeah. but have you noticed it with the crowd sizes and it's just yeah, there's well, like this new air in the community now well i think it's just like it ebbs and flows and uh you know i don't know i think like for me i grew up in new york and i like grew up with great hip-hop artists and hip-hop has essentially become like um it's just consumerism and it's just like pushing products and lifestyle and this that the other which consumers don't you know and young people don't know that that's all fake all the watches and the cars and all the things that these rappers buy they don't buy them yeah, they, they borrow, they, they borrow them, they rent yeah. them, they lease them, and that they're was the projecting. Big joke with MTV cribs, like you don't own that crib. You're well, yeah, they they actually it. pay, they rent them, yeah. and they to try to create this idea of um and for for, and in a sense, it works for a lot of people because of the American dream almost because right. that projecting that uh, is giving people hope who are who who are at the poverty line where I grew up. Right, you look at that stuff, and you're like, "Oh, if I do this, then I can jump class systems, and then I could have nice things." And that's all that that's teaching, and people are tired of it. Like people are getting tired of that rat race and that game. Right. And um, you know, and we're watching, uh, you know, Instagram is a perfect example. You know, people are looking at these people's lives and thinking. It's like a highlight reel, and half of it's fake. You well, know? not even just their lives, their faces, their bodies. Well, yeah, I mean, everything. with the filters. I had, a, my, and... I had an ex-girlfriend last year who was like an Australian model, and um, you know, she had all these fans, and uh, she had a double life. Like she was suicidally depressed. Uh, I had no idea that she was a drug dealer. She was a cocaine dealer. She got and she got thrown in jail. And she was like, and she got binged for prostitution, and like she. But had, on Instagram. Well, in in perfect. our life, right. it was like this person who had been through all this stuff, and we kind of had a trauma bond because she had been through a lot of things. But she was projecting towards me as someone who had done the work to get better. But meanwhile, she was living this exterior life because she didn't want me to know who she really was or what she was really doing. She doesn't want anybody to know. Right. And then, you know, we broke up and all of her friends came to me and were like, we're so sorry. Like, you know, and I'm still friends with them, you know, and it's, it's just interesting. There's like a whole group. There's all these people who are like, you know, they like stay at a hotel and take photo shoots at a nice hotel, but they sleep on a mattress on the floor. You know, yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, like so, it's become this whole culture of pretending to be better than we are, and what that does is that people who don't have those things they feel bad about themselves, and those people aren't being honest about how shitty their circumstances actually are. So we're living in this fake world. That's where I come from. That's not cool. 
I grew up going to Pantera concerts and like listening to Nirvana and going to see Korn and Hatebreed and Slipknot and Meshuggah and Dillinger Escape Plan and bands like Candier, like like all that. I was in the hardcore scene, you know, and everything was like we didn't have much, but at least we had each other. And it was real what you had. Yeah. Yeah. It was real. You just get you get in there, you go in, you show up, you get dirty. You know, concerts were like church for us. And what's crazy is that for so long, you know, parents, society, whatever, would talk about, oh, the heavy metal, it's dangerous, these rock shows, whatever. Now there's all this scientific research coming out that actually heavy metal is cathartic and metal fans, it actually helps put you in a better mood. Like, they're actually studying this stuff and it's like, hey, we were right all along. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, our parents didn't know any better, (laughs) you know, it's, I don't know. I wonder if they were like, I wonder if band like Slayer was out during the Vietnam War, what that would have looked like. You know, they wouldn't have, everyone would have been hippies taking acid. They'd be like, we're going to burn this place down. We're going to hell out. You know. But then you see, but they didn't have that. But then you look at a guy like Vinnie Paul or Dimebag Daryl, mm-hmm. who, you know, our audience has known through the years, yeah. or even a guy like Zoltan. Yeah. Who is truly out there just enjoying it. Yeah. You can't be riding around Vegas in a bright orange Lamborghini and not loving life, Zoltan. He's living the American dream. You know, Zoltan comes from a communist Hungary that was impoverished and controlled by communism. Like, you know, and there's like kind of this weird resurgence of like Marxism in in like young people and millennials. Like, in, <laughs> He's the most patriotic American yeah. I've ever met. He yeah. loves this country but the, with every fiber but he of under, his being. But he understands the value as right. an immigrant right. who is self-made. He came to this country with 300 bucks maybe and didn't know any English and taught himself and got a job and did what it takes. And he deserves to be where he is. He personifies the mm-hmm. American dream. Yeah, absolutely. But he also is a survivor of what communism is. And so it's like kind of funny all these kind of all, a lot of people think that the these kind of socialist ideals that are getting re-injected into the newer generation by people, you know, because they don't these kids are young. They, they don't know. It. They don't know. Right. Yeah, they don't. It's violent and it's horrible and it never works. There's no history of communism ever working. So it's just like it's crazy, like what kind of ideas are people are easily manipulated into purchasing and buying and believing are real. You just got to get a passport and do a little traveling yeah. and, it, and it's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. 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 I've been to a lot of countries. So, yeah. but he, but he is I'm one pretty of those happy guys. here. Yeah. It's pretty sick. You guys, we got food and running water. And the biggest problem is there's too many calories. Yeah. Like so people we gotta are like, work out every yeah. day, man. we're like, man, I got to go to the gym and work out because I'm getting too many calories. You go to Somalia, you ask them about calories. You yeah. know what I mean? I'll take all of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Or or South America, you know? Well, I Anywhere. love the fact that the fun is still in rock and roll. I love yeah. that the shows are still parties, but I also love that artists are out there not only trying to help the fans but that you're being so open and honest about yourself. It's really admirable and it takes it takes a lot of strength to go up on stage and bare your soul the way that you do. And and it's yeah. really important because like you said, all those fans are looking up at you. All of those kids like you were back in the way back in the 90s when you were going to <laughs> way shows. Back. 
but but now you're in that position where you are showing those kids. You know what? It's not perfect, yeah. but it gets better. But the and the well the the reality is is that it's just a principle. The principle for for me is that what other people think of me is none of my business, and it's like a grounding principle of humility. So I'm not some rock star. I don't care. I don't care how many records we sell or how many how big of a show we play. Like I don't even like that term. I'm just a guy who got uh, is lucky enough to do what he loves to do, and people pay to see it. You know what I mean? But that also goes like I've been homeless. I've literally been a homeless drug addict. You know what I mean? And I and that, and I've been here, and I've been all every phase of life in between. I've been in bands for years where nobody cared who I was. You know. And it, so none of that stuff matters. It doesn't define us. Like our jobs don't define us. Many people, I've had every kind of job that I hated. It doesn't, that's not who I am. You know what I mean? We, every day that we wake up, we get to choose every single day who we're going to be for that day. Life is a 24 hour marathon. That's all, it's all last. You're incredibly positive for somebody that's been through so much. It's inspiring. Yeah, but I mean, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, that's the thing. You know, I had to get over you know, getting through like suicidal depression and post-traumatic stress disorder for me was getting over myself. Like sometimes the hardest thing a person will do is get the f over themselves. And for me, I don't allow myself self-pity. Like resentment is a huge offender in people's lives. We like, I learned how to, how to master resentments because you see what other people have, you see what you don't have, you start measuring up and then all of a sudden you're like, ugh, like, you start not liking things and not liking people and because you're focusing on what you don't have rather than focusing on what you do have. If you want to be a multimillionaire, you got to spend every second of your day trying to make millions of dollars. If you want to feel like a multimillionaire, all you have to do is take an inventory of what you already have in your life to be grateful for. And people don't talk about that. They don't teach this in schools. They don't, you know, it's this, these concepts and ideas are the complete antithesis of consumerism. You look at the news and you look at what they're selling products. Everything is built to give us anxiety as a culture, as a as a our whole citizenry is like you look at the you know the last election, they split the country completely in half. These people are like this, these people are like that. And these oh people hate you and you hate them. Yeah. And we all hate each other. And we're all we're, and like and look what happens as the result of that. Like what we're 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 brothers and sisters we're americans like the thing that makes this country so great is that we have the right to think and feel however the f we want when you go to other places you're not even allowed to say bad things about your government in other countries and people here are spoiled we are we've had it too good for too long and like what happens is is that everyone starts getting at each other's throat and not looking at the source of like who stands to benefit from people in one nation not getting along with each other who stands to benefit people are making money off of that you know whether it's facebook and so and instagram getting engagement and twitter boosting engagement you know like people complain about donald trump's twitter they'll never get him off of there because without donald trump no one would be on twitter anymore twitter right. would just be like porn stars selling snuff you know <laughs> And, and whatever, because what else is there? It's a place where people go to argue about politics and sports, really, yeah. in real time. You know, it's a, it's streams of consciousness. So, it's just like it, with it, you know, all of these, all of the concepts about choosing a life that is fulfilling and happy that doesn't really re require 
monet like stuff it's nice to have nice things but that doesn't make you who you are right it's nice to have a great job but that doesn't make you who you are the question is like can i be happy with nothing i've already been i've had nothing and been like i'm okay you know so i don't know you know sometimes people get so overwhelmed with the pursuit of happiness that they forget to have happiness in the pursuit and no one talks about that you should teach a class well, nobody wants to hear that. No, seriously. I mean, people nobody are watching to... this right now, and they're yeah. like, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it, you know, it is what it is. Well, I think you're fascinating. Thanks. I think I'm a weirdo. Yeah, but I'm into that. I like that. Yeah, though. all right. Weirdos. Weirdos. We are the weirdos. weirdos. We are like, the weirdos. We are the weirdos, but yeah. that's what makes us powerful is that yeah. we all have this rock and roll club where none of us look the same yeah. and none of us act the same, but at the show... Yeah. In the moment, we're all the same. We're all singing the song together. The heads yeah. are banging together. The yeah. fists are in the air together. Yeah. That's what makes this music so powerful. And that's why anybody that doesn't understand rock music, I don't understand you. Because yeah. that's well, what makes it Well, they just might great. not know yet. Well, we'll have to. I've, br I've brought some people to like concerts and they're <laughs> like, oh my God, like that was crazy. <laughs> you know? Well, I've been saying for years that the hip hop guys, you know, that they started just doing what they saw rock stars doing yeah know? yeah like, like the, the like new the new school hip-hop guys like I, I think Kanye led that they would they took a page out of the hair metal and they were like you know made it into this excessive thing uh, of consumerism which had its place but hair metal got killed by grunge yeah because for you know you can only go off that for so long hair can only get so high I'll show you the picture of me in the 80s yeah who was your favorite hair metal band? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure John Bon Jovi still has a restraining order against me. Really? I used to dream when I was a teenager. So embarrassing. Really? That his tour bus would break down in front of my house and he would knock on the door for directions. Wow, that's amazing. I lived that's at, a very specific I, dream. That was my, yeah, and I lived at the end of a cul-de-sac. So, oh, so that, that was, shame wasn't happening. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and out of all of the bands and all the people I've met along the years, it's been 21 years I've been on the air, He's one of the only people I've never met. Wow. I saw a guy with a license plate that said Bon Jovi actually two days ago. See? And I want to know what he smells like, too. Well, you were in New Jersey. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll so call. if you ever meet him, will you smell him for me, too? You do know him? Yeah, we're friends. Really? No. Fuck. No, sorry. God can't help you there. Tommy, come on, man. Look, well, I can't with know the everybody. Okay, well, I got to meet him first. So okay. He might throw me through a table. That's fine, but while you're falling back, just what if like, I FaceTime you? <laughs> I don't even know how I would handle. Dwayne, that. do you hear this? We need your help, okay? I've had people that have been on the movie sets when he's filmed up here. Yeah. Say they've called me on the air and been like, "Mistress Carrie, The Rock just walked by me. Smelled pretty good." And I'm like, "Really? Why are you screwing with me like that?" Like, I just want to know. That's like, weird. he looks like somebody that smells really good. I guess I, I only saw him one time at a. At, I used to live in Beverly Hills, right? That's how you I can't imagine problems. you living in Beverly Hills. It's really weird. I was I was uh, I ran a nonprofit for a little while, and so like it, I relocated over there to work at this nonprofit organization that um, my friend and I started, and uh, that's where he was from. But I went to this gym. In Beverly Hills, and the WME building is above is above the gym, and we came out one time, and I was like, "That's the Rock." I just kept going, like didn't bother him. I didn't want to bother arrested. him. See, I I would. You would? Yeah, because I would have bothered him. 
Yeah, but you can't. I would have been that person. You gotta leave them. Leave. You gotta let let them be. You know. I, I know, but I, I but toured with Superman Korn has and, kryptonite. Okay. Yeah. Everybody has a weakness. Well, so Corn was one of my favorite bands growing up, and I I I was a backup singer for In This Moment on a Corn tour, like six years ago. And I didn't say anything to him the whole tour till the last day. And I was like, excuse me, Mr. Davis. <laughs> I asked the security guard first. I was like, is it okay if I take a picture? And he was like, yeah, dude. Yeah, and he, he took was like, it, right? Yeah, Tommy. I was like, he knows my name. Because he's cool as sh yeah, you. Dave Grohl knows my name too. This is crazy. I'm gonna tell you this whole story. Right, we on, have. Let me get comfortable. This is gonna be a really long. So I, this is how I'm not cool. First you of all, you are cool. No, but I'm st like a music geek. I'm still a music nerd. Yeah, but so all of us out. are music nerds. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so listen, Dave Grohl is so it's the Dime Bash, right? So it's the annual Dime Bash in Anaheim, California. Jose Mangan is hosting. Rita, you know, Dimebag's old yeah. lady, she throws this thing every year. They asked me to sing two songs. So I'm you like... You said yes. Yeah, I said yes. So it was like me, Corey Taylor. There was like the, like half of Anthrax. I mean, it was crazy. There were guys from Testament. Uh, it was just like, it was insane. So it was like super cool, great vibes backstage, big party in the back for the VIPs. Everyone was in town for Nam, And... Which is Dave, this huge music convention yeah, that takes the over North LA American music merchants or something yeah, like that. It is. And it's cool. And I, and then I'm endorsed by JBL. So Bad Wolves went and did an acoustic performance at the JBL Harmon booth, which was cool too. Uh, but anyway, I so Dave Grohl was just barbecuing. He does that. Yeah, he showed up. He made food. He had like smoked out ribs for twenty four hours. He has like a hours. giant grill that he like tows oh, yeah. around. Oh yeah. Oh, it's like it goes to a, a hitch on yeah. his car. Yeah, it's crazy and delicious ribs, by the way. So everyone's hanging, and he's just there, and people are, like freaked out. Like even the VIPs are like, "It's Dave Grohl," and he's we're all gotten to that level. Yeah, well, everybody look, knows who. Okay, Dave Grohl he is. Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Okay, I mean, listen. It's an intergenerational rock starism, okay? And I'm just gonna get to it. And I'm talking to my friend Liz, and she, and she's like, he's just standing right there, like, oh my god, his hair is so beautiful. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, like, I can't believe it. He's right there, and we're, and he's like, hey Tommy. And I literally paused. I was like. <laughs> Is there another Tommy anywhere? And there's all these people waiting to get food. They've been waiting online for like an hour because the food's not ready. And I was like, me? And he's like, yeah, Tommy Bex, right? I was like, uh-huh. And he's like, are you hungry? I was like, I'm really hungry. And he's like, he's like. I have push-ups to do in the back of my truck, dude. Of course so I'm hungry. He's like, hold on. And he goes and he gets me some ribs. And people are like, oh, he's like, oh, he's got low blood sugar. He's got to eat. And he like, so he like lied to them for me and he gives me the ribs and he was like, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, battle's cool, man. Like, I was like, I'm like, dude, you're the coolest person in the world. And he's like, oh no. I was like, no, no, listen, you're the Bill Murray of rock and roll. I never heard that. I because like that that's description. What Bill Murray just shows up places and he'll just bartend. He'll just show up somewhere. He goes to people's weddings. He just shows up. <laughs> Who's going to tell him to get you, out? Yeah, and he no takes one. pictures with people, and then he leaves. 
and he just is like cool or he'll like go and pay for someone's dinner or like take a bite of their food and be like no one will believe you like he really there's a whole documentary about <laughs> bill murray doing weird things like this and keeping it real and i was like D that's what you are i was like you're the bill murray of rock and roll and he and dave Grohl said that is the nicest thing that anyone has ever yeah. said to me. See, now I told and then him he I was the said, biggest whore in rock and roll. But then I said this. I was like, did we just become best friends? And then he said, yes. So you're Dave Grohl's best friend. We're best friends. Me and Dave. You heard it. Yeah. I haven't talked to him since that very moment. <laughs> However... Yeah, but best friends, you don't have to talk you to You don't have to day. talk all the time. You could see him Just five once years in a, from yeah, now. Yeah, and be like, and Dave, what's like, up? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's my Dave Grohl story. And then I was, so Chris and John have a barbecue company called Doghouse Barbecue. It's on Instagram, and they do competitions. Chris and John from Bad Wolves. So Chris watched the whole thing go down. And I walked up to him. I was like, do you want a rib? And he's like, hell yeah, I want a rib. <laughs> he's like, what just happened? He's I just like, became best friends with I'm Dave I'm like, Grohl. I'm best friends with Dave Grohl. We're going to do karate in the basement. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Dave Grohl story. <laughs> and I was like bugging out. I was like bugging out. He is cool. Yeah. He's so cool. Yeah. When yeah. he had this broken leg and he had the little thing, they played Fenway Park. And he was, so you got to imagine somebody born and raised in Boston. Yeah. And their dressing room was the Red Sox locker room. Yeah. And I go in there to mm. interview him. Mm. And I feel like I'm already walking on sacred ground just because I get to go in the locker room of the Red Sox. And there's Dave on his little, you know, his little trolley thing that he yeah. was zooming around on. Yeah. And he was like, come on in, sit down. And like literally within five seconds of meeting the guy, he's one of those guys that you really do feel like, well, wow, I'm best friends with this guy all of a sudden. Like, he's just nice. He's the best dude ever. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. You know, I I want to, I need to meet Bill Murray, and then I need to get backstage passes to a Foo Fighters show so I could be the person to introduce Bill Murray oh my God. to Dave Grohl. That would be like the Ghostbusters crossing of the streams. Like, what would oh, happen? Yeah. We just don't know. I know who could handle, you know who could make this happen for us? The Rock. The Rock. Yeah. It always goes back to The Rock, I told you. The Rock is the center of the universe. It's true. And Jeff Goldblum, but we'll talk about that later. She's kind of weird. I know. That's kind of creepy. It. I know. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm into it. Tommy, it was such a pleasure. Yeah. This Will you please come and hang out with me in the studio? Then I told yeah, Doc when? when he was up with Mark Morton. Yeah. I was like, when you guys come to town, I want you to come up and play acoustic in the studio. And he was like, yeah, we'll totally do it. And then you guys come to town on a Saturday when I'm not on the air. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but I don't make the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm more than happy to the next time. I, next I know. Time, I'm taking you know, the thing about now. the radio station is you could actually just go in there whenever you wanted to. Well, I, I mean, we could go there right now. Okay, let's go. Really, Sick. Really right, want, interview's right, over now. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you guys tonight. It's going to be fun. I, I'm going to walk out of here like you walked away with the ribs, and I'm just going to tell everybody that you and I are best friends now because that's how I feel right now. Yeah, we're best friends. Yeah, we're best friends. We talked about a lot of things. We did. I think it, we solved a lot of the world's problems. I feel like we're like. Shaggy and Scooby. Who's who? I'm the dog. <laughs> and this backstage is our mystery machine. Uh, Anyways. I gotta get out of here. Tommy from Bad Wolves. Thank you guys for checking out the video. Mistress Carrie. Weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.